Let's pray, and then we're going to jump in. Father, thank you for today. Lord, thank you that we could worship you. Father, I pray that you would bless us and build us up and that you'd have your way within us. Father, I pray that you would uh, speak to us. Thank you that you're the God that makes all things new, that you're the God who is mighty to save and mighty to rescue, that you're a glorious God and the reason that we're here and so the one that's given us life. And so as we look to your words this morning, pray that you would speak to us. Thank you for the scriptures that are breathed by you. May we humbly learn from you and hear your voice and experience the power of hearing your life-giving words. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Hey, if you're new, again, we love that you're here. want to welcome you to church, so thank you for being here. Hey, we have notes if you want to uh, pull out your notes cards there. And then, uh, So what we have for you this morning is there's three takeaways. I think they're really uh, super uh, takeaways. And so we're going to do a, just a review for a few minutes here. Then we're going to jump in to Jonah chapter 3 and finish up the book of Jonah. So some of you may know that uh, this, the story here in Jonah may have heard last week that God is a God of second chances, but he's way more than that. He's infinitely more than that there, but he is a God of second chances. He gives us his invitation to continually follow him even when we, we mess up. And so this morning, what we're going to see is we're going to be confronted with new opportunities here that the Lord is going to give you. And so, and again, you're going to have three takeaways there. So by way of review, Jonah, the rebellious prophet there that's called to go to Nineveh. And, you know, Nineveh was an incredibly hard place to go, was awful to the core, awful people, violent people there, no mercy. They're the arch enemy of Israel. Uh, basically, Jonah hates the people and God asks him to go there. And so Jonah disobeys God and Jonah goes the other way. And so it left him in this massive predicament there. So because he went into the opposite direction. So I want to show you a few verses from Jonah chapter 1 that are exactly the same then of what God asked him to do in chapter 3 there. And so Jonah runs from God's expectations, God's requirements, God's desires for his life there and goes again in the opposite direction from the will of God. And so if you would stand to your feet there, we're going to read Jonah chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. It says this, this is the word of the Lord. The Lord gave the message to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. And he went down to the port of Joppa and he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. And he bought a ticket and went on board and hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. You may be seated. So Jonah here, the man that ran from God. So he gets up then to flee here. And so the thing is, as we saw, is God is going to chase after him. God sends the great fish then to chase after Jonah here and to bring him back to himself. Now I want to show you a scripture here that's going to be on the screens and is in your notes here. Verse 17, we learned that. And the Lord then had arranged or appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. So this is God's way then of pursuing after Jonah. So Jonah just couldn't run, and we learned about God, that God is a God that will pursue you and will chase you, and it does all kinds of appointments in your life to chase you down. But he's swallowed by the great fish. Then I want us to see this. It says, then Jonah prayed. Then Jonah prayed. Then Jonah talks to God finally. At the lowest point of his life, 
Jonah finally talks to God. When he's trapped, when he's compressed, when he's in crisis, when he has no way out, there's the prophet who wouldn't pray until after three days and three nights. Doesn't pray when the storm hits. Doesn't pray when he's thrown overboard. Doesn't throw, pray until finally three days and three nights there. And then verse 7 says this. When I was slipping, when my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you, to your holy temple. And then in chapter 2, Jonah prays this incredible prayer, really an incredible prayer here, and he comes back to the Lord, and he remembers how great God is, and remembers God's salvation. And so and God puts Jonah in this place where Jonah really had not a lot of options, but only to call upon God. And so I think sometimes that can happen where God can put you in a storm. God can put you in a compressed place, a dark place where you're going to cry out to him. And so what I want to notice, what you to notice here is verse 10. So that was review, and now we're getting to the, to the new material. Notice this in verse 10. Jonah calls upon the Lord, and then what happens? After he prays, he calls on, upon God. Look what happens. After he cried or he prays to the Lord, then... Then the atmosphere changes. Then his circumstance changes after he finally prays to the Lord. And the Lord commands the great fish and vomits Jonah up on dry land here. So look at God spoke then to the fish. If God speaks to your situation there, he can change everything around there, in this case, in an instant here. When you call upon God as Jonah did, he can change your circumstance. Look at the fruit here of Jonah's prayer as if the great fish vomited him onto dry land. Maybe that wasn't the hope of his prayer that he would be vomited there, but God responded here, and so Jonah calls, and then God changes. So um, God reacts and responds when we pray. Prayer works here. So the Lord commanded the fish, and we see what God was doing here, and that while Jonah is praying, there's the fish. He's really like an Uber there taking Jonah to Joppa. And so, uh, and, and what happened there when he was in the belly of the fish? What happens to Jonah? What changed in Jonah? Well, Jonah's heart begins to change here. And I think what's really tragic is that when we find ourselves in the belly of, our, of circumstances and our heart never changes, that's what's really tragic, but his heart here begins to change here. And so when you're in the belly, though, of a bad situation, does, does your heart change? What do we do in the midst of the situation when we're in the, maybe the belly of a bad marriage or the belly of a bad habit or the belly of a bad addiction there? Does our heart change or do we stay the same here? Well, here's a picture here of, of Jonah I want you to imagine this. He's being vomited up on dry land. There's a projectile. Let's imagine Jonah like flying out of a, 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 of a great fish there. And his eyes are filled with vomit. His ears are filled with vomit. His nostrils there. And I mean, his hair and his mouth. I mean, it's really gross. It's really, really gross here. But you can see Jonah there. Imagine Jonah now there. He's landed and he's looking up at the sky. He's thinking to himself, this is crazy. I, I never thought I would see the sky again. And he's breathing in fresh air. He has to breathe in fresh air for days here. He's thinking, how crazy is this here? And he realizes this. He realizes that God 
is wanting to rewrite his story. I want us to see this here because maybe you've been in a really bad situation. Have you ever thought that maybe God just wants to rewrite your story here? And so what is Jonah's story? Jonah's story is a story of a man who, who runs from God here. And so and now he's come full circle. Now he's on dry land, but I want to show us something here. Now he's on dry land. But the dry land, Bible scholars would say, is Joppa. It's not Nineveh, because we're going to hear that God, God tells him to go to Nineveh later. He wouldn't tell him to go if he was already there. And so he's on the dry land here. And God brings Jonah back to the place of his disobedience. God brings Jonah back to the place of where he was running from God. He's bringing him back there to the place of, of his decision where he paid the, the full fare. Now think about this. God is rewriting his story. Jonah has to decide. Is he going to run from God again? Because again in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, God says, get up and go. The exact same words as he said in chapter 1, to go then to Nineveh. And really, this is the heart of God on display here. Watch what happens, chapter 3, verse 1. Then the, the Lord spoke, the word of the Lord came a second time. The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time here. And so Jonah has to decide, am I going to let God rewrite my story? Am I going to continue to do my own thing here? Am I going to say yes to God? You see, really what this is, it's, it's a defining moment. It's really a defining moment in his story here. And so it says that God here speaks to him a second time. Now think about that. Think about that. Is God a God who repeats himself? Yeah, he is. Are you a person who repeats yourself? We are God's children. Did you ever repeat yourself, perhaps, to your children? Did you ever have to tell them, you clean your room, make your bed, do your home? Yeah, you have to repeat yourself. We as God's children, God then repeats himself. So God will speak to you, we learn here, multiple times about the same subject. See, because God knows that, you don't, that we don't always get it the first time. So the word of the Lord here is coming a second time. Now, imagine Jonah here taking this in here. And uh, uh, as anybody here, you've needed a second chance. We've all needed a second chance. We've all needed another opportunity. We've all needed more mercy. We've all, all needed more grace and more patience, certainly. And so, but here Jonah, think of Jonah there landing on dry land and probably thinking it's over. It's over for me. Like, why would God want to speak to me again, the rebellious prophet here? I mean, look at my past. You look at his past, he's like the ultimate screw-up. I mean, he knew so much about God there, but he's messed up his life, and he's disappointed God here. And he, would he think that God would give me another shot at this? So the word of the Lord comes a second time. I mean, you would think that God would, would say something like, Jonah, we're done, and, and I'm done with you. You would think that God would be disgusted with Jonah, that he would react like we would react to him. And so that he would have this kind of a posture toward Jonah. He'd say, look at yourself, Jonah. I imagine Jonah, if he were here today, covered in vomit. God was to speak to him. We could hear the voice of God. Would, would God say, look at yourself, Jonah, covered in vomit? I mean, look at you. Like, what am I supposed to do with you? I've had it with you, Jonah. I mean, I'm done. Do you hear me? I'm done with you. Is that God's response to Jonah here? 
Did God say, you know, surely, Jonah, I'll forgive you. But really, Jonah, why don't you just go back to your hometown? Don't cause any more trouble. Just go back to your hometown and, uh, and just stay there. But you and I, Jonah, we're done. Is that God's word to him? Or the word of the Lord? This is the heart of God comes a second time here. And so God's word didn't change from the first time to the second time here. So God speaks again and again and again here. So I love that, that because I know personally that I miss God all the time. I'm so glad that God's a, a God that would repeat himself over and over again here. And so, so we see this again with our, our kids here. And so now look at this. Here's the good news. Here's the good news that Jonah changes here. And so Jonah changes, verse 2. It says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I have given you. So here's what God says to Jonah. Get up, just like he did in, in, uh, in chapter 1. says the same thing. Get up, Jonah, and go. And he says, and watch, and deliver the message that I've given you. So Jonah doesn't have all the details. And I think it's worth mentioning here this morning that sometimes you may feel that God is leading you to do something, but you want to have all the details. You want to have, you want to know how long and when and, and, that, and make it safe there. But here God speaks and says, go, and, I, and I'm going to give you the message there, the message that I've given you here. And so he says, just tell them what I'm going to tell you here. And so uh, you just be a witness for me and speak the words that I would give you there. And so in a similar sense, I want to say this, that, uh, I think that all of us here is when God rewrites your story, he wants to rewrite your story that you would also get up and go. That you would get up and you would tell others here. And you can say, well, I'm not a speaker and I'm not a preacher and all that. Yeah, but, but God has changed your life. God has rewrote your story and you have a story to tell there. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we just need to be able to, to tell our story here, share the good news, the gospel like Jonah here. And so, but God gives him the same exact command, the same exact command, chapter one, chapter three here. And in the midst of Jonah's disobedience, God gives him the same command, the same things to say. He says, hey, Jonah, get up, baby. Let's go. Are you ready to go? And there he has to make a decision, really a turning point, a critical uh, moment in his life here. And so, Jonah, get up. I've got great things for you to do, Jonah. I've not given up on you, Jonah. You're still on my team, Jonah. And so the greatest revival in the history of mankind is going to happen through this rebellious Jonah here. And so how lovely, how wonderful, how beautiful is this, is that God still wants Jonah on his team. He still wants to give Jonah the opportunity there to, uh, to, to make an immense difference, a historical difference there in Nineveh. He still wants God, he still wants to be, uh, him to be an instrument in his hands there. And so, and I think that we need to realize this, is that God is a God who invites people who once ran from him, to come back to him and walk with him. People that have a history of running from God will even be used by God to impact other people. So if you were to look down the rows back and forth, all of the people here, you've run from God. 
Every one of us has run from God. And so question to you, um, why is it then that God would use people then that, that run from him? Why would he use people like Jonah that have miserably failed? Why would God use failures? Because runners are all that God has got. Failures are all that God has got. Miserable failures like me are all that God has got and like you. So that's why God used Jonah, and that's why God uses us. I mean, think about it. Every one of us here this morning, we've all run from God, just like Jonah. And if we had a way out, if we had other options, we probably would have taken those options rather than follow Jesus. I can remember as a kid thinking and asking my dad multiple times because we, we, we didn't go to church. We were not a church-going family, and I didn't grow up in church. I never went to church until I was uh, 17. And I can never figure out, like, why would people, like, why would they do that? And I was the whole crutch thing about people need a crutch, and that, that's what I thought. Everybody goes to church, they, they just need a crutch. And, uh, and in my mind, you had to be crazy to want to go to church or follow God. Like, well, what do you need God for? That was my mentality there. And the reason that, uh, that I ultimately turned to God is like I realized I don't, I don't have anywhere else to go. And this is true, and God is real there, and I want to become his follower here. But like Jonah, we found ourselves in the darkest place. We found ourselves in the darkest place. And so what do we do then if we are runners because we are? Like Jonah, we cry out to God and realize that Realize that in that moment, like he realized, we're not alone here. And so God will send people, and God will send storms. God will send like the sailors there. God may send a, a, a great, uh, figurative speaking, a great fish there to get your attention, to pursue you, that you would follow him. And the truth is this, is that none of us followed, decided to follow God on our own. And so in the midst then of Jonah's disobedience, the command comes again, get up. Get up. Nothing has changed here. He gets no details here. And so Jonah then first gets up, goes to Nineveh by faith, where God then is going to speak to him and give him the message. Verse 3. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city. So, so he what couldn't have been in Nineveh then if he's going to go to Nineveh. Think about that. He, he, he wasn't vomited onto Nineveh because why would he be going to Nineveh? This time he obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large there was three days to see it all. So in 40 days then, he knows there's going to be a shift. There's going to be a shift in the atmosphere here. And historians say this is the most unprecedented, think of it, 120,000 people all uh, become followers of Yahweh, all become lovers of God in one moment here. From the Pope to the poor, from the leaders to the laborers there. Then they were wearing sackcloth and ashes. I mean, this is serious here. Verse 4. And on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days, and now Nineveh will be destroyed. That's a pretty simple message there. I want to see this. Now the people respond in verse 5. It says, And the people of Nineveh, here's their response, believed in God, called a fast, and put on sackcloth and ashes. And so, unbelievable. 
These people now, they believe in God here. And so they're, uh, as a sign of repentance, what they're doing then is they're, they're changing their clothes. I mean, this has never happened before. This has never happened in, in history here where 120,000 people here, the greatest revival in human history, all turned to God all at the same time here through one reluctant prophet. And so I'm going to show you what happened here just so you can kind of imagine this and say, so here's the king, and the king has on his royal robes here. And this is what happened. The king has on his royal robes. And so you can just imagine there in Nineveh, there is the king. And so and who would have imagined in Nineveh that all these people would turn to God here? But verse says this in verse 6. It says, And when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes and dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Imagine that, that the political leader of the day repented. Imagine that. Imagine that the king took ownership of his own wrong. And the king here now is saying, hey, I'm changing direction. The king is saying, I'm going in a, in, in a new direction. I've been going in the wrong direction, and I'm repenting. And there's the leader repenting before all the people here at the, at the message of Jonah. And so and I would say this, that you may have something in your life. You may have something in your life where we need to do exactly the same thing here that we need to, to repent from. And so there is the king. And so the king lays aside the royalty of his position there. And, uh, uh, and so and he speaks to the whole town. And so he does that, takes off his royal robe. And just to kind of get the idea what he does, is he, uh, this is going to have to do for sackcloth and ashes here. But now here's the king. The king is saying it's a new day. The king is saying, hey, uh, the day uh, that we lived before all the violence and all the evil, that's over. And the king is declaring, this is going to be a new day. And so you got it? Did you appreciate that? So I hoped you did. You didn't, get, you didn't get that at your other church there. Come on. And so verse 7, then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. So the king is declaring, this is a fast, not even just for people. This is for even the animals. Like, we're going all out, the king is saying. This is really serious. In verse 8, the people and the animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. Now he's calling a national prayer meeting for 120,000 people. And here's what they must do. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. And so... Notice here that the king is speaking what God wants to do in the people. And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of God calling people to, from lesser things to be right with him. And then not just calling them to believe in him, but things are going to change in the culture here. And I want to talk about that because the king is saying... I'm turning away from evil no matter what happens. I'm turning away no matter what happens with my life here. No matter what God does in response, I'm turning away here. And so all of that then to say this, what does the story have to do with us this morning? I want to give you three things in your notes there, these takeaways. Here's what the story has to do with you, things that can impact you really for the rest of your life here. Because all of us run from God. We learn that God's grace is way bigger than our running. We learn that God pursues all of us here. 
And you, like Jonah, have a similar call to impact people. I want to talk about that. So just like Jonah was given a a God-given mission, all of us have been given a God-given mission. So here's our takeaways in your notes. Number one is this. It's the title of the message, and that is that rescued people rescue people. What does that mean, that rescued people rescued people? Think about that. When you know God and you know that, that you've been rescued by God, that doesn't leave you neutral for the rest of your life. See, rescued people are so impacted by the love of God that it does something in there that they in turn want to rescue people. Because you're transformed and you recognize God's purpose and you see God's plan and that what you've experienced, God wants you to introduce other people that they could also experience that life that you have. Rescued people rescue people. You would tell others how to be rescued by God there. So in chapter 1, God says to him, Jonah, I've called you to go to rescue people. Okay, a second chance verse, chapter 3. And then again, get up and go to rescue people. Jonah, you're a rescued person. Now you go rescue other people out there in Nineveh, all those awful bad people. I want you to go to those people. Rescued people, rescue people. And so Jonah then, so what changed in Jonah from chapter 1 to chapter 3? But he realized how awesome God was, how great God was, that God kept chasing. He remembered the grace of God, the goodness of God. He, he saw his own foolishness. He saw that, that, that God loved him. And so, and now, recognize that God is inviting me to tell others, so I'm going to go to Nineveh. I'm going to obey God here. Jonah finally obeyed God to tell other people. So, and I get it. Like, I really do get it. And that people would be here this morning and they'd say, well, well, well I, I, that was Jonah. And I'm, I'm not like Jonah, even though we've talked for the last month about how we are Jonah. Okay? But people would say, well, I, I'm not actually called, given the same command as Jonah. Well, I would beg to differ. You've been given exactly the same command as Jonah. God told Jonah to go. God tells us to go. We call it in church world, the great commission there. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus said this, therefore, just like Jonah twice, therefore go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. See, we have the same command here to go. And so God has ordained you and God has sovereignly and providentially placed you where you are. Your life's not by accident, where you live and what you do and the cubicle that you work in or the office that you have or if you're retired there. So just as God rescued Jonah from drowning in an ocean, God has rescued us from drowning in an ocean of sin there, of our own sin and our own folly. God has been good to us and God has been gracious to us here. God has given us the same command to go. So number one there is this. Is it rescued people, rescued people? Number two. The power, I think we need to know this, the power is in the message, not the messenger. I mean, think of Jonah's message. What a, what a crude, uh, confrontational message. Basically saying this, 40 days, God's going to kill all of you if you don't change. 40 days and you're all dead unless you change. I mean, how effective would that be today? I mean, how effective would that be? And so, uh, and so let me ask you a question. Was Jonah a great messenger? 
Do you think, in just your opinion, was he a great messenger? That kind of message. Or was he really not all that? That really wasn't a great message there. When you think about the qualities of, of great communication and great speakers, he doesn't check any of the boxes here. Like, none of the boxes. Like, he has no credibility. No credibility at all. So he's an outsider. He hates the people that he's speaking to. He hates the Ninevites there for what they've done to his, to his people historically there. And so he doesn't have any credibility with them. And he hates them. And so yet he's speaking to them. I mean, it's really easy for me to speak to you because honestly, like, I just, I love you. And I love being with you. And I'm honored. I'm just so honored to do this. But it's really easy to speak because I just, I, I love, I love you. And so Jonah here, he hates them. And so secondly here, he has no passion for them. He could give a rip about them. And so here you have a, a, a person that is flawed and faulty and fragile and frail. God is using him for the greatest revival in the history of mankind. Could it be that the power is not in the messenger, the power we share is, it, is in the message here? And so uh, the power is not from us. Like, you, you think, uh, I'm not a speaker, I'm not a preacher. Yes, but the power is, is in the message that you're sharing. So just get past yourself and just share your, your story and, and, and realize that the power is in the message. It's not in us here. The message that, that, that God sent Jesus to forgive us, to he came to us here. And so this is the great gospel, the good news that we steward here. Growing up in church world, after I was 17, I would often hear this. I heard it so many times. I heard it. Oh, well, well, God can't use a dirty vessel. I'd hear that, oh, God uses and works through whole people. And I beg to differ. Can I be straight up with you? All God has are dirty vessels and broken people. That's all he has. And so the power then, it's not in the messenger. It's in the message here. Because God delights in taking us in, in all of our brokenness and all of our frailty and fragileness and failures. And though we are totally imperfect, but he uses, uh, God uses his, his message here because he is perfect. And the message is, 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 is perfect there. And so he uses imperfect people to, to stand for a perfect God here. The power is in the message, not the messenger. And so I just want to, I want to say this because I really feel like that many of us live with the weight of our failures and our brokenness and feel that God could never use me. I know that it's true. Feel like, who am I, what I've done, who I've been with, uh, if you only knew my life. But look at Jonah's life. Look at the man that ran from God and God used him for the greatest revival in the history of the world. What does that say to us? God used him. God wants to use us. And so, uh, so let's let that be dismissed. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Now we have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure that makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Number three, and lastly, the Lord wants people to be made right with God, to be made right with God, and to be treated rightly. 
The Lord wants people to be made right with God and to be treated rightly. We saw here 120,000 people are made right with God. But does the story end there? Because there's big debates in church world about the purpose of the church. And I wanted to just, just uh, make it very clear what we're about here as a church. Are we about helping people be, be, be made right with God? Or are we about people being treated rightly? In, uh, in church world terms, it's justification and justice. And so I want to talk about this here because what are we? Well, we're both here. We're all about helping people be right with God and receiving Christ and having faith in him and saying yes to God. We're all about that all the time here. But what about people then that are created in the image of God that are treated unjustly? Do we just wash our hands of that and just be all about only helping people be right with God? Or are we called to be a church that cares about people being treated rightly? The answer again is both. And so verse 8, I want to point this out to you. It says they, that's the Ninevites, the king said, must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. It's not enough that 120,000 are now right with God. He's saying, look, we as a people here, there was internal violence. They were not only violent to, to outsiders, Nineveh, they were violent to the insiders. They were full of evil and came up to God and God saw that. And so he says, look, there's violence that we're doing to one another here and, and we've got to stop the violence. And so yes, God wanted them to be right with God, but also to be treated rightly there. And so, so we are both. We're all about justification. We're all about justice. And so this chapter 3 reminds us that both are true. And so that was there, but what about here? Like, what about us? Okay, so that, that was good then, and they, they had those issues that they dealt with. But what about us here, and what are we to do about, about treating people rightly? John Stott said this. He said, we shouldn't ask what's wrong with the world. Because we do all the time, right? Always asking what's wrong with the world and what's wrong with the world here. He said this here. He said, we should ask, what's happened to the salt and light? Because we are salt and light. And so I would like to ask and close this morning by, well, what are we to do here as salt and light? And so we've identified a few things. It's Christmas time, and I get it. We're going to consume Christmas, and it's awesome, and uh, we all love to consume Christmas here. But you have these. I just want you to grab these and, and uh, take a look at these. Everybody grab them out of your seat and look. So these are three things that we have been doing. These are not things that are new. These are things we've been doing, some of them for many years, and that things that we're going to do at this uh, season, this holiday season, over the next six weeks. So this is what, right here, this is what your church is doing. This is what this church is doing here. And so really what this is then is this is an opportunity to engage. This is an opportunity to help people that aren't really treated rightly. And so there's three things I want to explain these to you. The first one is Operation Christmas Child. And so this is where we pack shoeboxes. They go all over the world. We don't want to be a church that gathers in a box like this box and then sings songs and says uh, some prayers and hears scripture and then that's it. This is, that's it. We don't want to be a church that if we weren't here that the city wouldn't miss us. 
We want to be a church that, that makes a difference. We want to take what happens in here. We want to take what, what happens in here and how God touches us in here. I want to, we want to take that out there. That's what we want to do. And I get it. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm just like you. I get it that it's Christmas time. And uh, there's so many awesome things about Christmas that you just want to drink in and you just want to enjoy. And all the, all the even the, 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 the secular side of Christmas and you want to you want to enjoy that, but also I just want to I just feel that that we as a, as as Christ followers that it's it, it's about that, but it's more than just consuming Christmas in that it's about caring for people, and it's about showing compassion for people. And so I'm asking that that we would do that that we would uh, we're gonna we're gonna collect these in just a moment during our last worship song, and if you're like overloaded and you're busy. Hey, this is a guilt-free zone, no pressure. I recognize there's also a lot of people that you're new. And so let me tell you about Hope City Outreach. Um, I personally have been there many times, and um, it has marked my life. This, this has marked my life, serving the poor there. I have vivid memories, vivid memories of, of being there and, and just serving them in, in different ways. But this is an opportunity where people that tragedy has intersected their lives, they're, they're hopeless. Um, they just need people like you that would go and would, and would bless them and serve them. So it's to serve food. There. So Hope City Outreach is an, is an option. Actually, it's Sunday. It's actually Sunday for a couple hours. It'll bless you. And so and the last one there is adopt a grandparent. So we started this last year. So these are for people that are shut-ins. They're, they don't have anybody to really to talk to. And so Christmas will come and go and come and go and come and go. And they won't, they have no visitors. And so, or the majority of them have no visitors. And so uh, they're forgotten. And so what we're asking you to do is like an hour. If you, you have a free hour on Christmas to go. So if you would want to check one of those boxes, and we're going to collect these in just a moment. And so... Uh, And let me also say this. Like, certainly, do I want to do something? Yeah, I really, I very much want to. But more than anything else, I want this for you. I want this for me. I want this for what it does in you or what it does in me. It'll change you. It'll change how you, you look at the city. And so it's not just about them, but it's what you will experience when you do this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jonah. Thank you for the great story there of Jonah. Thank you, Lord, how you rewrote his story. And thank you how you want to rewrite our story. How rescued people can rescue people and the powers and the message. And you want people to be right with you, but also to be treated rightly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.